about funny stuff. Serious about food. Serious about anything that I'm in the mood for. Serious. Let's get serious. Talk to me, talk to me, tell me about your fantasy. Talk to me, talk to me, tell me about your fantasy. Talk to me, talk to me, tell me about your fantasy. Let's get serious. Hello, you are listening to Let's Get Serious uh, podcast. I'm Kendall Bruns. And my guest today is Brian Applegate. Brian Craig Applegate. What's wrong? Brian? <laughs> you flinched when I said that. <laughs> Brian Craig Applegate. You wanted the Craig? Are you going with the Craig now? I go with the Craig now, yeah. Why is that? Uh, it's uh, Craig's my middle name, and it's my dad's first name. And uh, when I was uh, a kid, he was, in a, he was like the front man for a funk band, and he always wanted to do stuff like that, so it's just kind of my way. He made some big sacrifices when he had kids, so it's just kind of my way of uh, carrying on his legacy. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. That's nice. You have a good... Uh, Good relationship with your dad? Uh, I do. Let's just re- just dive right into it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very fortunate to have a good relationship with my dad. Uh, I didn't when I was growing up. Uh, I don't know. I guess I was like any rebellious teenager. But uh, yeah, I love my my dad to death. Craig. Craig Applegate. Craig Applegate. So Brian, before we before we get into too deep of a conversation, let's let's tell the people who you are. Who am I? Who am I? Um, I am. A guy that grew up in a small town uh, south of Cincinnati, about 45 miles south of Cincinnati, a little town called Bethel. Uh, it was a real small town. There's probably about 100 people in my graduating class. And um, uh, went to college, had a great job with a big corporation out there, uh, was absolutely miserable, and uh, started doing stand-up at a place called Go Bananas in Cincinnati. What and, year? Uh, when did you start doing stand-up? Uh, I want to say it was like 2000. It was on the cusp of 2001. Might have been like January, February 2001, something like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I fell in love. Ten years ago. Ten years. Now, I'd be lying if I said I was going full steam for ten years. But, <laughs> You've uh, devoted your life to stand-up <laughs> comedy for ten years. <laughs> well, uh, I was born uh, July 22nd, 1979, um, when I exited my mother's wound. Um, I miraculously knew how to talk, <laughs> and I started wound? telling jokes. Her wound. <laughs> Her wound? <laughs> Sorry, Mom, I didn't mean that. Your wound. Um, <laughs> uh, but, uh, it, uh, that feeling that I had when I first stepped off the stage has stuck with me. Um, there's honestly, hopefully my future wife and kids, uh, this will change. Um, or maybe not, even if that happens, I'll say it was the best thing in my life. But, uh, up to this point, uh, that first time I came off stage at Go Bananas was probably the highest point of my life. Really? Yeah. Enough to carry me over 10 years of failing in misery. <laughs> well, <laughs> at least you've got that memory. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, I, uh, I was about two quarters away from graduating when I was uh, doing uh, improv and a little bit of stand-up, and I was going to quit school, and I let people talk me into finishing. And um, you, you were studying marketing? Uh, yeah, I studied marketing and operations management at the University of Cincinnati. Uh-huh. Go Bearcats. Yeah. <laughs> you have a lot of school, school college pride? Uh, not really. Okay. No, I was never really your, uh, frat guy. I, I would be lying if I said I didn't want to be in a frat, but, uh, I just wasn't welcome in frats. Why not? Um, I don't know. Cause I always really felt awkward. Um, I used to say I didn't want to pay for my friends, but that's kind of bull crap. I have a bunch of friends that were in frats and they're good people. I thought you were going to say you have a bunch of friends that you paid for. <laughs> I do have a bunch. Well, I later paid for a bunch of friends, but it just wasn't in a frat at UC. Right. <laughs> Less of a formal 
payment type situation. Right, right. Well, and it's, sometimes it doesn't have to be money, you know? Sometimes I do favors. Mm-hmm. Um, cooking. You're a generous guy, though. Uh, you've, al- you've always been really nice to me. Uh, yeah, I recall one of the worst moves I've ever had to do in my entire <laughs> life. Thank uh, you. Thank you. You helped move uh, way more things than would fit into this tiny apartment I... up to the third floor <laughs> on a very warm summer chicago day i will say this about you kendall you are uh um an amazing uh i I don't know i think marketing is the uh the wrong word but you made it seem very exciting like helping you move (laughs) would help me as a person i did i how did i do that really played it up uh it was, uh, I, I felt and if I, and if this is true, if what you're saying is true, <laughs> absolutely. True. How come there were so few people here to help? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> My powers must not have been as, uh, I, I don't know. I'd like to think there were so many few people here to help because you only needed me. You really like really. And Rob Nastoff. And course. Rob, you yeah. and Rob yeah. really just broke your backs. And we can't forget Mandy. And Mandy. Yeah. We made Mandy carry all the big stuff, but we, we helped her. You know, we watched her carry, you know, pianos yeah. and stuff up the stairs. Well, and you know, we had just done a very long drive early, the, earlier that day from Cincinnati. It was, it was a brutal, it was a brutal day, and I appreciate your help. But even before then, like, you were always, always welcoming, uh, offering up your couch. Always. When, yeah. when need be, that sort of thing. Very, very friendly. Thank very you. friendly guy. Now I have a feeling. I have nothing bad to say about Brian Craig Applegate. <laughs> well, uh, you can. I'm, I'm fine well, with that. Yeah. No, I, would, I wouldn't do you that. You know what I think you're doing, Kendall? I think you're so. trying to talk me into letting you stay at my couch in New York when I move. <laughs> that's that's kind of what I'm getting at. So, <laughs> so you, um, you, know, you are from Cincinnati, but you've been in Chicago here for a while. Yeah, I, I know you actually from Chicago. Yeah, strangely weird. enough, since mm-hmm. we both have Cincinnati ties, and now you're kind of uh, you're transitioning into a move to New York. So, mm-hmm. what I wanted, I really wanted to have you on here, even though you're not promoting like a specific thing or anything. I think it's a real interesting kind of moment that you're at, mm-hmm. and I wanted to talk about um, what led you to Chicago what your experience here was like, because I know a lot of it wasn't stand-up related. Um, and then what kind of led you to decide you were going to move to New York and what your like goals and hopes and dreams there are. So that's a rough outline of what wow. I'd like to talk Let's about. Wow, let's take that one at a time. So, uh, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I'm just teasing. So, you know, and then we can talk about whatever, whatever. We don't really have to talk about any of that. But that's yeah. kind of like, I, I think that's interesting, and I'd like to you know, discuss those issues. Um, before, uh, you got here, I was listening to when you were on the pizza infinity podcast, mm-hmm. which, uh, I don't, I haven't really talked about that podcast much on this podcast cause they're totally unrelated, mm-hmm. but, um, we did 60 some episodes, I think, or 50 some, something like that. A lot, a lot of them. And you were on episode 10. Wow. Yeah. Right yeah. towards the beginning. I listened to some of it and I can tell you that our conversation today will probably be a lot different. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will say I was very nervous in that podcast. You were nervous. I was very nervous. Why were you nervous? Uh, I don't know. I think I was just very insecure in general at the time. Mm. And, uh, I remember talking to you. I had never done anything, any kind of podcast or anything like that at the time. When was that? About five years ago, six years ago? Something I, like I that? don't know. Um, it was, yeah, it was probably something like that. Yeah. And uh, I remember thinking at the time, I want to be funny. 
And uh, and when uh, any comedian will know if you think I want to be funny, uh, nine times out of ten you will not be funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that one time though, <laughs> that once it's that nine out of ten. Yeah, that's kind of how joke writing works too. You're gonna have about uh, five jokes you love out of ten, and one of them might work, but probably won't. Well, let's hear your story uh, in chronological order a little bit here, but I do want to talk about like maybe moments when you kind of realize some of that stuff or mm-hmm. about different training that you've had or experiences that have led you to, to uh, come up with those percentages. But first I'd like to talk about um, the Oscars. The Oscars are on today. So yes. when people listen to this, it already have happened. Mm. So they will already know that your favorite movie is the fighter. <laughs> no, <laughs> I, that's not my favorite movie. I know. I know. But um, I thought, I was curious. So I kind of broke one of my podcast rules in that I hung out with you last night and Uh-oh. we like talked about a bunch of stuff. Yeah. But I tried to save the good stuff. Like, I tried not to talk about things that I'd want to talk about on well, the... What'll happen if last night was my good stuff, Kendall? Did you record last night? I did not. It's okay. I, I remember every word we said. So if I start d- answering your questions... <laughs> Uh, giving you verbatim answers from last night that have nothing to do with your questions, that might be uh-huh. one. Okay. That if so, if you turn into a robot. <laughs> right, right. What? So, Brian, what do you think about these Oscars? Do you think it, first off, do you think things like the Oscars matter at all? Not right. Uh, what do you think about, like, competitions and awards? Um, the, uh, the hipster in me uh, wants to say, uh, no, it doesn't matter. It's for... Uh, Hollywood stars to talk about how great they are, but then the uh, artist in me wishes that I could do something someday that would be considered for an Oscar or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd be lying if I said that it wouldn't be nice to have that kind of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Not motivation. Recognition? Recognition, yeah. yeah. Recognition's nice. It never helps. Anytime somebody's <laughs> told me it doesn't, it actually, it's worse for me. Have you ever won an award for anything? Uh, I won an award with you. Yeah. Which for which best one? use of character or something like that for uh, your uh, Pizza Infinity? Which uh, which one was that? I was the waiter. Oh, or something. <laughs> Remember when I took off running as fast as I could? <laughs> Did Brian do it? <laughs> Did I do that? Yes, yeah, so you're talking about all two of us, um, which we can discuss when we get to the Chicago part of the oh, story. Oh, wow. Okay, we're jumping ahead here. Yeah. Okay. Well, I derailed the entire conversation by bringing up the Oscars. <laughs> am I a baby right now? Is that what chronologically? Uh, am I like I don't know. Free? We skipped ahead to when you were the first time you were on stage, but that's kind of like if this were an Oscar-nominated movie, maybe that would be the scene at the beginning that then they're like, but how did we get to this point? <laughs> how did Brian get here? And where will he end up? Clever montage of sad what bridges? What movie or TV show or something? Oh, the robot chicken. Thing. Did you see the robot chicken uh, Star Wars thing? The most recent one they did. And no. it starts with the Darth Vader throwing Emperor Palpatine down the pit, and it like freeze frames, and he's like, "How did I get here?" How I would love to. Uh, I'm old now, so I usually go to bed if I'm not performing at like mm. midnight. Yeah. Does that screw it up when you have to perform though? Because a lot of times performance type things are late. 
Um, so is it normally when you're sleeping? No, not on really. Stage? Is your body like freaking out? Like, why are we awake? We're no. supposed to be in bed. No, it's just fine. Like, if I have to, uh, if I have to perform and um, it goes well, then uh, everything's fine. You know, um, I get off stage and I'm a nervous wreck because I'm too happy because it went well. And you know, I just go home and uh, quietly lay in bed and not sleep for seven hours. So oh. yeah, it works out good. Okay. Um. So I thought since the Oscars are today, and since that has nothing to do with us, but I wanted to talk about it for a minute. I have here an Oscar ballot. Uh-oh. I thought maybe we could, you could tell me your picks. Not who you think is going to win, but just who Brian, Brian loves. What Brian likes. Okay. But I don't want to spend a lot of time on this. I'd you. say maybe two minutes. Okay. I, f- I wish I had a timer. Do you want me to just uh, read every category and tell hold you on. right away? Hold on a sec. Just keep, just keep, t- I can still hear you. Okay, that's cool. Um, wow, you're dancing. That's weird. Brian. <laughs> We're timing. I heard the timer. Okay. Let's not. Li- I don't. I don't like lying on this podcast. Oh, okay. I got you. You know. I mean, I, actually, there was a little issue with lying the other time, the other podcast you were on. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of lying going on. Uh oh. This is a place of honesty. Oh no. <laughs> Are you sure you want me? You want to interview me? Yeah. So let's just. Um, <laughs> here's what I want to do. I just want you to tell me which of these best picture movies you've seen. Okay. Okay. I'm going to start the timer. After two minutes, we're going to stop talking about this Oscar stuff. Okay, timer's going. Black Swan. I saw it. Did you like it? Um, Well, I didn't see the last 20 minutes, but uh, what I saw, I liked. I thought it was a little bit overdramatic. How did you miss the last 20 minutes? I watched it on the bus on the way here, so I slept (laughs) through some of it. (laughs) Okay, ringing endorsement. The Fighter. Uh, I love The Fighter. We talked about that last night. I didn't care for that. Inception. Inception, I thought was, uh, was pretty good, yeah. Yeah. The kids are all right. Haven't seen it. Want to? It's good. King's Speech. I heard that was good. Haven't seen it. Oh, yeah. It's a good one. 127 hours. I liked it. Okay. The Social Network. Um, I thought it was okay. Toy Story 3. Thought it was amazing. True Grit. Thought it was amazing. Winter's Bone. Haven't seen it. Why did you think Toy Story 3 was amazing? Um, I don't know. I think it's, uh, it's Pixar, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> everything Pixar I watch, I just, uh, I, I don't know. I love the writers. I love everything about Pixar because, um, it's one of those rare things. Not rare. There's a, it's, it happens a lot. I get, well, not much, but, uh, I like, uh, movies geared towards kids that kids can appreciate, but that has an adult element to it. Um, a really good storyline and a good message for kids and adults. Hmm. It's nutritious and delicious. Yeah, just like this podcast. <laughs> and did you say you really liked The Social Network? Um, did I did. did you say you just liked it? I did. Uh, yeah, I liked the anti-hero kind of thing. Yeah. Um, it wasn't as good as I thought. What do you think the point of that movie was? Um, I don't know. That's kind of... Uh, that's tough. Uh, Social Network. Um, I think that once you get to a certain position of power in life... Um, I don't know. I'm not really in a big position of power. I guess I am for myself, but... Once you get to a certain position of power, you're going to piss certain people off, and it's impossible to make everybody happy. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think once you come into money or any kind of success, you're going to have friends or family members that you've known your whole life that treat you differently. And if you're not ready for that, um, I think it can develop major problems. Um, and so I can't, uh, oh, that's, that's it. it. All right. Sorry. Enough about that. Jesse Eisenberg, I'm sorry. I don't have uh, time to, to conclude your anti-hero That's character. too bad. I was going to ask you if you think you would be able to cut off your own arm if you were trapped. Um, you know, it depends. But we don't have time to talk about that. <laughs> it depends on the situation. <laughs> if I was really happy where I was at and my arm was numb and I had all the food I wanted and I had a really nice TV in front of me, 
it would be really hard to cut off my own arm. I might just invite all my friends over. I don't think that was the situation in the movie. Well, (laughs) (laughs) if he could, if you could reach an extension cord out to the the rocks, and Uh um, there was some electronics there, and I didn't get rained on, I think I might last a little more than five days. Yeah, maybe you know a couple months if I had food and. Yeah. Well, wow, that's therein lies the rub. Hmm. Therein lies the rub. Yes, I could cut off my own arm. I don't have to do that now. Do what I? is Brian Craig Applegate capable of? Oh, wow. Well, I could cut off my own arm. Yeah. Yeah, I don't want you to like double dare me or anything because <laughs> I got a long bus ride home and I don't really want to. Well, <laughs> I just that. happen to have a dull blade. <laughs> <laughs> oh, funny thing. No, I, no, I cut off my arm a couple hours ago. No, it's a funny thing. I, uh friend bet me and I just, you know, he had some gauze. It was cool. Yeah, it's that's actually cheesecloth, but we could use it for that, I guess. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I typically on this podcast, I have not um, gone off on such a a terribly unrelated tangent, but I just mm. it's on my mind. You it's know how my, my brain mind. works, though. I go off into tangents, and I won't have any. Uh, I won't get offended if you put me back on the right course. I won't. Cry. You know, sometimes I feel like. Part of why I want to do this podcast is I like longer interviews and mm-hmm. I like like conversations without so much of an agenda. And I feel like sometimes when I've been talking to people, the little weird things that we talk about that's not necessarily related, you find weird like kind of uh, insights into a person or, you know, like even just even just your analysis of the social network. I mean, that's kind of interesting compared to other things that I've talked to you about, like just yesterday, you mm-hmm. know? So that's sort of, I don't know. That's, I've, I'm trying to embrace those kind of things without it being completely, uh, you know, destructive. Yeah. No, it's, uh, I, you know, I, I think that's where I get a lot of my, uh, comedy from. I used to, uh, try and tell jokes on stage. I used to try and do an act. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I guess it sounds kind of, I don't know, pretentious or something to say it's not an act. But I do. I just go up and I tell stories. And a lot of them come from conversations just like this. What? Okay, so what made you do that uh, stand-up at Go Bananas that very first time back in 2001? Um, what led you to that point? You know, it sounds cliche, but uh, well, I've been watching Saturday Night Live since I was a little kid. Mm-hmm. And I always said I wanted to be on there. And uh, so I always looked up to people like uh, John Belushi and Chevy Chase early on and Dan Aykroyd and all those people. And um, around the mid-90s, actually, it was kind of after the fact, because uh, Mr. Show came out in, like, 1995, and I actually didn't find out about it till like, 99, 2000, after it was already off HBO. But um, it affected me so much. Like, I, I loved it so much, uh, more than just a laugh, you know? I, I saw that they could actually present ideas through comedy and portray some kind of message, but without throwing it in your face. Yeah. Did you see that when it was on, or did you see it later? No, I, I, s- it I saw it later. a couple years, because I think 98 was the last year or something like that. Uh, so I saw it. But I, 98, I, I got really started getting into Upright Citizens Brigade. That was when it was on uh, Comedy on Central. M- yeah. And, was uh, it on Comedy Central or MTV? It was on Comedy Central. Comedy Central. Okay. Yeah. I know my UCB. All right. It's, okay. uh, <laughs> no, it's funny, because uh, it was gear, you know, UCB. I, I don't know. I can watch it now and still laugh, but at the time, I was like um, 19, so it was like just perfect for me. It was crazy. You know, it was kind of, um, uh, I don't really know too much about it, but I know they got a lot of their material from like the Del Close long form type of improv, a lot of their ideas generated because they went to IO Chicago and, uh, all my friends loved it. And, um, that made me start paying attention to Upright Citizens Brigade Theater. And, uh, I was originally going to move out to New York, you know, that was back then. 
And um, I've always been I've always been into bigger guys because I've always um, I've bounced back and forth, you know, in weight classes my whole life. <laughs> it's not healthy, but it's the truth. Uh, but I always related to like the John Belushi, you know, Chris Farley characters. And um, then I found out they went to Second City. And um, when I had that nice high paying job with a big corporation, they were doing um, buyouts and uh, I saw this as my chance. So I took the, the, the buy-off package, and I moved to Chicago in August of 2004 to study at Second City. Really? So it was kind of like you lost your job, and, and that's what, I mean, yeah, in a way, mm-hmm. that enabled you to, to move here. Yeah, I'll be honest. Uh, I was pretty proud of myself. Uh, pretty proud. They wanted me to uh, film them uh, making the material. I won't say the company or what we made, but... They wanted, they wanted me to film and make a video on how to make our product. It was a manufacturing facility, and they were going to send the videos over to China um, so they could teach uh, you know, uh, the Chinese how to make our products because uh, a lot of our, um, our business came from Chinese companies. And I saw that midway through after I got done filming it. I decided I didn't want to take part in possibly taking some jobs away from my hometown, so I didn't give them the video I filmed. Mm-hmm. And why did they give you the video film? Like, did they think you were a charismatic guy? or They thought I was really good looking. Um, and um, that was the most talented person they'd ever seen. And uh, had the most win. She said something about that I had the most winning smile she'd ever seen. And I reminded her of her father and her firstborn. I'm lying right now. No, they, uh, I told him I did some, uh, some video work. Was and, that true? Uh, uh, we're not lying here, so no. Uh, but I knew a guy that did some video work. <laughs> so I've always been of the mindset. I know a guy. <laughs> I know a guy. I've always been of the mindset that if I know a guy that can get something done, I'll tell you that I can do it if I trust who I can get it done for. And I always mm-hmm. learn how to do it in the process. It's kind of how I work with everything. I mean, it's always hard to get that first uh, piece of experience. Yeah, fa- the fake it till you make it thing, I think, kind of relates in a lot of fields. I don't think it's, not, it's necessarily faking it because it's kind of you're learning as you go. Mm-hmm. So, you were a little kid, you're seeing Saturday Night Live, which I know you said cliche or whatever, but yeah. I mean, how else, are we, how else were we supposed to know about comedy when we were like kids? Yeah, you know? exactly. You know, and <laughs> I that's mean, that was my, Saturday Night Live was my introduction to any kind of like comedy stuff really too, you know? I mean, it's just... Yeah, and I'll never sense. forget, like, uh, it was like the, it was probably like 93, 94, and uh, there was this, uh, I think it was like one of the Christmas episodes... And uh, it was, you know, the earlier cast with Mike Myers and um, not earlier, but with Chris Farley. And oh, it's all, all relative. <laughs> right, right. And um, there was the uh, Santa Claus um, sketch where Chris Farley played Santa Claus. And by the end of the set, yeah. he had just torn. He's down the motivational the speaker character. Pretty but much. Santa Claus. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I remember uh, seeing my mom's reaction when I was watching that. And uh, I had never seen my mom cry laughing before. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking to myself, if I could do that. If I could get paid to do that, to give my mom that reaction, I can't think of anything better I'd like to do with my life. Okay, so the story you just told me just now, when did you make that, like, when did you think, like, how self-aware are you about this stuff? Like, was that something that you realized a long time ago? Like, this is a defining moment, and and it's like almost a story you've probably told a bunch of times, right? Mm, maybe. So, maybe. Uh, or I, you thought know, to I, yourself, or I, like... Yeah, I mean, I, I have thought to myself, I've always been like that. Like, if you talk to any of my close friends that's known me my whole life, um, I always, I'm always able to, at least, well, I hope I am, uh, to remember when something 
is meaningful. Like, um, for example, when I was doing the stand up at Go Bananas, not too long after that, um, when I had the, the high paying job, I had this option. I was going to buy a new car. And uh, I had the option to get, because uh, my buddy worked for Porsche or Toyota Porsche, I had the option to get a Porsche Boxster with red oxblood interior, leather interior. So Beautiful. Violence, huh? Yeah, yeah. They had this, uh, rich cars always have these nice uh, colors. You know, it can't just be red. It's got to be sure. like red maple. That's with white anything. Cracker. That's with anything now, yeah. And, uh, and uh, my other option was to get a Hyundai Accent four door. New, half the price. Mm -hmm. And I remember telling my roommate at the time, I said, you know, I think this is a defining moment in my life. If I pick the Porsche, um, I'm going to feel like I need to keep my job to keep up with the things I own. And if I get the Hyundai, I can afford to make payments with that um, without having the job I have. And I went with the practical Hyundai. Mm -hmm. Is it weird to think about how different your life would be if you were driving around in that Porsche? I'd like to think I wouldn't be a douche, but I, <laughs> I uh, yeah, it might, I think my life would be much different. I think there's been a lot of points in my life where if I would have, you know, two roads diverged in a yellow wood, if I would have taken the one most traveled, I guess, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, usually, typically I can, and, and, and it helps when I, when I think, you know what, this is a major decision in my life, like uh, when, I, when I decided to move here. Um, I remember signing up for classes at Second City before I even moved here. It was like um, May of 2004, I think. I took the Greyhound bus from Cincinnati and walked from the Greyhound station. It was like a hour and a half, two-hour walk from the Greyhound station to North and Wells, where Second City was. And I remember sitting in Lincoln Park while I was waiting for Second City to open. And uh, I was writing in my journal, and I was thinking, um, this is one of those you know, defining moments in my life. This is going to change the direction of, you know, the course of my whole life, for, for better or for worse. You know, my life is definitely going to change. Have you ever made a list of those defining moments? I haven't. No. Um, I used to read a lot of uh, motivational business books because I'm a business major and we were kind of forced to read them. Um, and they make you make a lot of lists. I remember I read this book, I think it was called The Power of Focus or something, and they wanted you to make a list of 100 things you wanted to achieve in your life. And I wrote down 100 things. This is when I was like 20 years old. And, uh, and, and, and it said, you know, if you look at this list often and you find out the later in life, you know, that you get, if you pay attention to this list, you'll come close to getting all those things. And uh, I was really focused on that for a long time. And, uh, but then, um, then I came to realize, you know, there was a word in there that I didn't really like, and it was things. You know, these are things I want. And, um, I don't know the, the Brian now, I'm not really about things. I have about three garbage bags and they're not, well, yeah, they're garbage bags. I put everything in garbage bags, but I have about three garbage bags to my name, full of clothes, of material whatnot. possessions. Mm -hmm. well, that's yeah. gonna make the move to New York a lot easier. Oh yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, my buddy's, uh, packing up his Honda Civic and I'm just, uh, gonna drive down there. No need for anything more than a Honda Civic to collect everything in my life. I mean, there's something comforting in that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, I like a lot of things, um, but I've just, I, I, I've always been planning to move to New York. Well, I mean, it's the, isn't it the, uh, that Chuck Palahniuk, is that how you say his name? Yes, I think. I mean, in the wise words of Chuck, the things you own. Own you. End up owning you. Is that Fight Club? Yeah. <laughs> I can see Brad Pitt standing in the bus telling uh, Ed Norton that. 
that movie came out probably I'm about I think I'm almost exactly the same age as you, so uh thirty one. I'm thirty two. I knew you were older than me. You look a lot older. <laughs> what? Come on. <laughs> I'm teasing. That I'm movie teasing. so that movie came out when we were in college, right? Uh ninety nine, I believe. Yeah. I saw it at the uh the cheap cinemas at, at Biggs in Eastgate. Did, did you like that movie yesterday. when it came out? I loved it. Did it seem like um like, did it change your way you thought about things? You know, I was kind of all already on that path. Uh, yeah. I was reading a lot of Michael Moore stuff at the time. Mm-hmm. I think Bowling for Columbine had come out, you know, a little while after that. Um, but, yeah, I kind of shifted because, you know, when I was in, uh, when I was in Cincinnati, um, I was very, like, conservative, you know, kind of right-wing-minded, you know. It was just my surroundings and what I had been exposed to. And I started to uh, expose myself to some different ideas, you know, around when I was a junior in college. And, um, yeah, and it just completely fit in, you know, the fight club and the whole, I think I'd read three of his books, like invisible monsters. I was really into Chuck Palahniuk for about three years, Yeah, but it's that perfect. I mean, I think it's geared for the, uh, the, uh, young, you know, 18 to 24 year old kind of angry, rebellious, you know, art kid. What was your uh, favorite movie when you were in high school? Ooh, high school. Mm, that's a tough one. Favorite movie in high school? Um, shoot. Shawshank Redemption? Were you into movies a lot? Were you, would you read a lot? Or were you into comedy at that point? Like... It's, <coughs> I always went through periods. I, um, I'd go through periods where I'd read books you know, nonstop, and then there'd be a period where I wouldn't pick up a book for six months. And, uh, but I've always watched movies. I've always been really into movies. I mean, my, te- my taste of... Uh, have uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Growing a little more eclectic, mm-hmm. the older I get. But um, I like silly movies. I remember I used to love Jim Carrey movies. Um, you know, Ace Ventura. I used to love Tommy Boy. Um, but I like you know Shawshank Redemption. I liked a lot of dramas and stuff. Yeah. I was never really into horror that much. So okay, so how did you go from uh, liking Saturday Night Live and stuff like that to then getting on stage that first time? Um, you just answer my question. How <laughs> you just answer my question? <laughs> How did you end up on stage at Go Bananas? Um, uh, I saw there's one thing to like like funny things or be appreciative, but to actually get up there and do it. I mean, was it an open mic thing or what? what yeah, happened? it was a it was a funniest person in Cincinnati contest, and uh, I don't like to give out advice, but um, well, here's some advice: if you want to uh, get into stand up, my recommendation: if you've never done it before. Make it as easy on yourself as possible. If they're giving you five minutes, do two minutes if it's your first time. Have your most, you know, your most solid two-minute set because um, I think the audience is going to remember you even if it's short. It's better to have two killer minutes than five horrible minutes, and uh, they're going to remember you a lot more. And plus, I think the thing you need as a young comic is, ex- uh, well, experience and confidence. And confidence is one of the most important things that I didn't have for about 10 years of performing. So what, so what happened when you went up there? Um, I had, I rented, uh, before I, before I went up there, I rented every stand up tape from Blockbuster and, uh, that uh, from every stand up, even stand like like. up. Yeah. I would, uh, I would write down things I liked about certain comics, you know, and, and to be honest, I think a lot of my stuff was like verbatim from comics I liked at the time. But you didn't have any like training. Had you read anything about how to be a stand up or like how no. to write jokes or anything? Mm-mm. Like, 
So it was just kind of like absorbing what you saw and then you were stealing people's bits. <laughs> not not necessarily stealing. I didn't use but, any of their material, but their mannerisms, their matter of speaking, you know. Yeah. I would say I, and it was just unknowing, you know. I I just took my favorite com- comics and I <coughs> kind of adopted their uh, you know, their stage personas or mm-hmm. their timing. Well, uh, I'd be lying if I said there was timing. Uh my first time I was on stage at Go Bananas, it was uh I had some pretty solid jokes for somebody that had never performed on stage before but i said them so fast i didn't even give the audience a time time to laugh yeah i was just but so you said, nervous but when so when you came off stage though you said you felt great i did, did they clap at the end they they really did it got a really uh really good response um it was good enough to keep me going mm-hmm. you know um and it was it was it was the the best you know because i up till that point to me that was the biggest chance that i have ever have ever taken in my life you know, that was the most fearful thing that I had ever tried to tackle in my entire life. And uh, it was just that sense of accomplishment, you know, it from an outsider Why perspective. Why do you think that's so scary? Um, I think anything that you're afraid of, you know, if you're, if you're truly afraid of that, um, you know, a lot of people are afraid of public speaking, you know, for some reason. That's, the, yeah. that, that's more fearful to them than falling off a bridge. Um, and I think a lot of it is, you know, people want to be loved and they want to be accepted. And they don't want... Um, they don't want to be looked down at, or they, they don't want uh, people to not think that they're funny if they're trying to be funny, or they want people to care for them if they it's need risky love. business. Yeah. And so anytime you put, their, put yourself out there, like uh, now, this isn't a, uh, um, well, I don't know. Are you nervous right now? No, not at all. Okay, good. Do I appear nervous? No, I just, you meant, you've mentioned a couple times about being nervous and stuff. I just want to make Yeah, sure. I was just, uh, you know, about fear. Um, and, and so I, I, I just learned that, you know, everything that you do that you're not, that that's new, that you're not used to, you're going to be nervous. And, uh, there's going to be a period of, of not failure, but you're not going to do well, you know, the first time you do anything. And, um, well, sometimes you do. eh, Sometimes I get lucky. (laughs) Sometimes I get lucky, but sometimes you do something the first time and you do, you do all right, but it doesn't mean you're good. Uh, That's true. True. Did I ever tell you the story about, uh, left-handed bowling? No. Uh, that, well, this is pretty recent. I don't know. For some reason I thought we talked about this, but I don't think so. Um, sometimes I have memory issues, which is why I'm recording all these conversations. (laughs) (laughs) I always have issues. Did I ever tell you about the time I taught myself to bowl left-handed? Uh, not, not in detail. Oh, okay, cool. Well then I'll, yeah. Cause did I ever tell you about the time I taught myself how to bowl left-handed? I see. see. We're doing a bit now. (laughs) I'm teasing. Uh, this is a uh, recent. I, I bowl every Monday and Wednesday at a place called Holly Lanes. It's this little bowling alley near the the small town I'm f- where I'm from. Mm-hmm. And uh, every Monday and Wednesday they have ninety nine cent bowling. So I just go there and I hang out. Sometimes I go bowling by myself. Ninety nine cents a game. Yeah, ninety nine cents a game. Ninety nine cents for shoes. Uh, great deal, you know. And um, my my left knee, that's your plant knee if you're right handed, it gives out on me around the eighth frame. And um, so I I started teaching myself how to bowl left handed. And if, have you ever bowled with your opposite hand before? You right-handed or I have left-handed? No, I'm, I'm right-handed. I have never tried that, no. Okay. Uh, it well, ter- I feel like I'd get hurt. Someone else might get hurt. I smashed my left kneecap uh, quite a few times. But it is. If, if you're used to bowling, especially, when you bowl with your left hand, you're using you know, complete, the complete opposite muscles all through your body, and it's super, super awkward. But I knew I had to teach myself how to bowl left-handed because I couldn't bowl right-handed anymore. My knee's bad. Uh-huh. And um, in the span of about three weeks... I mean, I'm not great left-handed, but I taught myself uh, before, you know, when I f- first started throwing with my left hand, it would go in the gutter, and now I average about a 120 with my left hand. 
Um, That's better than I can do with my right hand. Yeah. And, and, and I remember, you know, and I had fun. It was frustrating, but it was fun. Like I had fun with the process. And I remember thinking back on that. Um, that's kind of relative to everything you start in life. You know, I, I just, I remember thinking to myself, if we're talking about those moments, you know, those uh, life-changing moments, I kind of realized, you know, everything new that I try is like teaching myself how to bowl left-handed. So if I can learn to enjoy the process, you know, that aggravating process of not knowing, if I can learn to enjoy that, then I can do anything. You know, maybe not good, but I could at least have fun trying. Have you ever tried uh, Wii Bowling with your left hand? Oh, man, no. I don't think I could do that. The Wii controllers are way too heavy. Yeah. I can't even hold them with my right hand. They're, maybe they're getting, you can get like a lighter one, maybe. <sighs> I don't know. I, you know, I tr- I, we'll have to see. I don't yeah. know. I, I can play tennis. Um, Left-handed? Yeah, with the Wii. Yeah. Oh. But, um, mm. yeah, Wii Bowling, wow, I don't even think I'd try that. That's maybe too bold and brave. We should try it later. I'm, uh, I don't know if I'm ready for that, Kendall. I'm a little nervous about that. Speaking of nervous, I'm not. But now that I'm thinking about Wii Bowling, I'm really nervous. Well, there, there'll probably be a lot of people watching. Okay. So that... Yeah, then I'm definitely not going to do it. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, uh, so funniest person, did you get a, did you rank or anything? How was, was there like a... Uh, there, you know, I want to say there was probably about 40 comics. There were quite a few comics. And I made it through three levels. First time I ever performed. And I'm not bragging because if you look back at my sets, they were really terrible. You had to do different sets each time? I did. And that was the mistake I made because I was afraid that the audience would hear the material that I did the week before. And then they'd be like, oh, this guy doesn't have any new material. Little did I know the audience would be different every week because it'd be different comedians. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I tried to have a new, they gave me five minutes. I tried to have a new five minutes every week. So the first five minutes I did that first week, I had practiced for about three weeks and I had it memorized. I was ready to go. And then the following weeks, it was just stuff I threw together and it went horribly. Mm. But I guess maybe the, the, uh, the way I performed that first time might have carried me over for a couple more weeks. And then like, okay, get this guy off the stage. He's not the funniest person. No. They're way do funnier. Remember, do you remember who won? I don't. You know what? That's funny that you mentioned that. Um, I, I don't remember his name. But uh, a couple of years later, I saw him in one of my classes, the guy that won. He did some, uh, I don't know what it was, Bill Clinton, Monica Lewinsky, <laughs> musical sing-along Topical. thing. Yeah, and, um, but I will say he was a really good performer, mm-hmm. and um, I was jealous. I'd be lying if I said I wasn't jealous of his uh, confidence up there. I wouldn't tell him that, but I was so super jealous. So 2001, funniest person since now. You would go up on stage the first time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, it changed your life, apparently. And then how long was it then before you moved to Chicago? Um, about three years. Okay, so during that three years, what did, did you do more stand-up? Did you take any classes in Cincinnati? Yeah, I was taking some improv classes. There's a really good improv group in Cincinnati called Wits End. And uh, Kim Sherwood, I believe, is his name. He probably doesn't even remember me. It's been about ten years. But um, when you... When it's you, been ten years, yes. It has been That's ten what we've years. established. Ten years. A decade. A decade. That makes me sound old. He, uh, Not if you're only 10. Well, you, well we yeah. Have, we didn't say how old you were when it started. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, people do know how did, old you are. We did say how old I was. Okay. But we do know that you are older than me. Just by a little. You'll always be older than me. Always, Kendall. <laughs> so I'm okay with I'm not, I'm not, that doesn't <laughs> bother me or anything. <laughs> it doesn't bother me at all. I just don't go outside or talk to people the older I get. But I'm fine with it. I just don't leave my house. But I'm, you know, it's cool. Yeah, it's not a problem. <laughs> So I'm sorry. What were we talking about? 
that three years you were taking some classes, wits end. Oh, classes. The, one of the three most painful years of my life. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I, I, I was doing stand up for a little bit longer, but for me, I always, not now, but I used to have these really high expectations. Like if I, I really thought I, I should win the funniest person in Cincinnati From when you did the very first one, the very first one <laughs> without ever having yeah. done stand up before. Yeah. To not win, that would be a failure. Uh-huh. And, uh, when I didn't win, I thought I was the biggest failure ever. I can't believe my friends and family came here to see this miserable failure on stage. That's a little overdramatic. It was. Ryan. I was I was overdramatic. I'm not. I'm not anymore. <laughs> but uh so, so you took a couple classes. How did the classes go? Did you like improv? Oh, I loved it. Did you have any sense of what improv was before you took an improv class? No, and I know I really made them angry at the time, but I was I was a kid. I was like 20 at the time, but I remember that whenever I couldn't think of what to say, whenever I was in my head, you know what they say in improv if you're in your head and can't think of thoughts because you're thinking about how you're perceived. I would say movie lines. Direct verbatim. <laughs> That's movie frowned lines. upon. Oh yeah, and I remember them looking Brian's at me always like, like, "We've got to get a bigger boat." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I just, I, yeah, and I think they were like Adam Sandler lines or something. I remember like saying, uh, "Conditioner is better." I rinse and clean the hair, you know, on stage, and it would have nothing to do with the, wow, you know, the bakery scene terrible. that they had going. It was horrible. It was embarrassing. Why for would you everyone do that? Involved. Would the crowd react to that? Uh yeah, they reacted by not laughing. Oh, <laughs> but um but they gave me a chance. And I actually at the time, um Joey Green, I think was his name. He was starting this uh improv group. I think it was called like Smarty Pants Theater, and he wanted me to be in the group. And we were actually going to get paid and travel to do uh kids shows, kids improv shows. Mm-hmm. And I was all ready to go, you know. I was like I was going to quit college. I said, you know, this is my dream. I'm going to do this. I'm actually getting paid for it. And then I started listening to nobody. I was the first in my family to to get a bachelor's degree, and uh, so I felt like you know I was only two quarters away from graduating. I might as well finish. So I stopped doing comedy, and I was like, I'll just come back to it in a couple months. You know, a couple months, three years. You know, a couple months or three years, I'll come back to comedy. <laughs> and uh, in that time, uh, I lost my hair when I was a senior in college in about six months, mm. and um, really started to hate the way I look. And was that like a genetic? Thing. I mean, I guess it obviously is, but was that something you thought maybe was going to happen or was it a complete surprise? Uh, you know what? Um, I really think it was the universe telling me that I was vain and teaching me a lesson because nobody in my family's bald. Uh, I had this uh, freak um, skin disease and I lost my hair within six months and I was very vain. You know, I was uh, I was voted uh, best looking when I was in high school. I think a lot of that was because I was friends with the girl that was on the yearbook. Uh, <laughs> committee but yeah you know i would i'd be lying if i said you know and a little bit of it didn't carry over you know i was very vain um i was all about appearances even with women i dated at the time you know i was very uh appearance centered mm-hmm. and um i learned a hard lesson that lasted about three years um didn't like myself um always wore hats always felt awkward and uh yeah it was a very painful time and then that looped over to having a very high paying painful job <laughs> and um yeah, so then uh, I decided to uh, to continue about three years later. I decided to just up and move to Chicago and study at Second City. Okay, so you moved, so you moved here, and your idea was you were going to do Second City. Um, and did you have a goal at that moment of like where that was going to lead? I wanted to be on Saturday Night Live. Yeah, yeah. And you saw like this is a path that people take. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you moved to Chicago. Did you know people here? I didn't. I didn't know anybody. Nobody. Mm-mm. How did you get your first place? Um, I actually, um, I had a friend from high school, Nick, 
Um, he was actually from here, mm-hmm. and he was looking to make a change, you know, get out of Cincinnati. And so he agreed to move oh, with so me. So he went with, came with a guy. Okay. Yeah, but it was on a condition. Uh, it was on one condition. He didn't want to live in the city, and I didn't want to live way in the suburbs. So we compromised and lived in Rosemont, mm. right near O'Hare Airport, right under where the trains, or I mean the uh, but the planes go, right over my apartment. Mm-hmm. So every twenty minutes, it'd be like, yeah. you know, bad. Uh, Planes don't really growl, but you know, you know what I mean. <laughs> no, that sounded exactly like a, a plane. I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Man, that must be that oh, plane man. again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you weren't by the airport at all, were you? It was I was. It no, was a dog. Pound. No, I actually, I've, I've never lived in Chicago. I'm just teasing. <laughs> okay, so you moved to Chicago, uh, and you immediately just start taking some classes. I did. Uh, the very first day I moved in Chicago, I remember it like it was yesterday, August first of two thousand four. Um, I had a class with Brian Posen. He was my first teacher. He was my level A improv teacher at Second City. And at this point, because you had done some improv in Cincinnati and because you were coming to do like Second City, were you not thinking about stand-up so much? Yeah, I... Were you thinking more improv or were you... uh, Were you already thinking about like sketch or yeah i was thinking strictly sketch and improv more sketch than anything because i was really into mr show when i moved here mm-hmm. and i knew bob odenkirk you know was it at second city one time or another mm-hmm. not con- not the, like the conventional way he didn't really go through the classes and then move up through the ranks i think he was on second city after he was already a writer for saturday night live um but yeah i was really into to mr show so sketch was the main reason i moved here okay so you start taking some classes and then what um I, I think I just I had the perfect teacher right off the bat because uh, uh, Brian Posen, Posen yeah, yeah, he uh, he made me feel like I was a rock star, you know, and I think he made me feel like I was a lot better than I actually was at the time. Mm-hmm. But I think it's uh, very important to have somebody like him at the very beginning because you need confidence. You need a lot of confidence starting out because you're not going to get it on stage. <laughs> so you need it from other sources, you know, peers or or uh, people that have been doing it for years, teachers that you trust. You need them to tell you you're doing a good job every once in a while, you know. I think as if you, after you've been doing it for a while, you can surround yourself with friends and, and, um, and people in the industry that will keep you humble and be honest with you. But I think initially you need that little pat on the back, you know, the little mm-hmm. good job, here's your dog treat. And did you feel thing. like, so you felt like you were you're doing pretty well? From the beginning because, oh, yeah. because of some yeah. support like that? Yeah. I felt like I was the, the funniest person in my class, and I let it go to my head. And I remember it like it was yesterday. Um, Posen told me to uh, act like I was stuffing an owl. You know, we were working on object work. And I remember the class was silent. You know, everybody was watching me. And I didn't know how to deal with silence. I didn't know anything about, like, a slow build in comedy. So I was, like, mock stuffing this turkey or preparing it, or whatever, to cook. You said and, an owl before. <laughs> yeah, it's, it was an owl. You're right, it's an owl. To cook? Uh, I, I don't even remember. I was slicing it. Oh, he said stuffing to, an owl seemed like a really weird phrase to me. And then when an you owl. said turkey, I was like, stuffing turkey, I know I know what that is. I was trying stuffing to... Stuffing an owl, I'm, I'm a little... I was trying to stuff a turkey into an owl. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but I remember everybody standing there watching me, and it wasn't supposed to be funny. And I think Posen picked up on this early on. It wasn't on. supposed to be funny. Right. I was supposed to just work on my object, object work okay. and, and not try to be funny. And I think Posen made me do that because he was wanting to teach the class a lesson, and he was wanting to um, scar me mentally for about six months. And it worked both ways, I think. Mm-hmm. But it was ultimately good. And so when I was doing that, 
I remember I was like, everybody's watching me. Nobody's laughing. I didn't think that it wasn't supposed to be funny. I need to do something funny. So then I picked up my fork and I dug into the turkey or the turkey owl. See, I don't think you would eat an owl. I, I don't think I would either. But for for the laugh that I wanted to get in this class, I started eating the owl turkey. Uh-huh. And as soon as I did that, uh, Posen jumped on me and stopped me. And up to that point in the class, you know, he was very positive and very, uh, yeah, like a lot of positive reinforcement, very cheery. And um, he was very blunt with me. And I remember him saying at the time, there's a time, there's a, there is a place for that in Chicago, and it's called Annoyance Theater. But it's, it, it doesn't belong here. So what's the deal with Annoyance Theater? I haven't really, people haven't. Really talked about that that much. Um, oh, Annoyance Theater! I it, I love it. I love Second City too. You know, I had some mm-hmm. great teachers there, and I also had some not good teachers there. I won't mention the ones that were not good, um, but you know, all in all, it was a good spe- experience. I mean, I've, I've had some people kind of break down for me maybe some of the philosophical differences between IO and Second City. Yeah, but I haven't really heard much about Annoyance. Like, what's their angle? Um, I hate talking about it. Well, I'm going to talk about it. I hate uh, going into specifics. I mean, you don't have to talk think... shit about it, but just like, <laughs> I'm just saying, like, it's all bullshit. No, no, I it... mean, like, just what's like, why, why would somebody make that kind of generalization about? Okay, about um, I, I want to preface this by saying there are much better improvisers say... <laughs> in the city than me that know a lot more about improv that could probably give you a better description, and they'll probably call bullshit on this. Uh-huh. But from what I understand, um. Second City, the mentality with improv is take care of everyone else around you, mm-hmm. and they'll take care of you. And uh, with Annoyance Theater, it's... Uh, are we cussing on here? Yeah. Okay, it's fuck everybody else. Take care of yourself, and if you're strong and confident in your character, not even that your, your character has to be strong. If your character's you know, you know, really weak, you take care of yourself and focus on your own character, and you are, in turn, taking care of everybody else. So it's more right. self-centered, and uh, Second City is more self-centered, team. but with a purpose. Right. I mean, it's Fol- all teamwork. Yeah, yeah, you okay. have to have teamwork right. and improv, but it is too. Okay. Different. So if anyone from Annoyance is listening to this and they'd like to <laughs> form a rebuttal, <laughs> please or feel free to correct me. I, let me know. I am. Not. You can come be a guest on here and, and let me tell me all about Annoyance Theater and tell me how wrong I am. I'm okay um, with that. Okay. So why? So what? What did he mean by that about the about the turkey though? You know, he never really went off to explain it. Um, or the owl. Yeah, he, he never really explained it. Um, and, I, and I never really asked. You know, I might ask him next but you time. Just got, specifics. You, but you just got like yelled at a little bit. And yeah. kind of like shook yeah. you up a little. And it made me at the time want to rebel a little bit and be like, okay, fine. I'll go to Annoyance Theater. <laughs> you, you watch. I'll go to Annoyance Theater. And I'll be the funniest person at Annoyance Theater, which didn't happen. Um, that was one of the most neurotic times in my entire life. When I'm, after I uh, finished the Second City um, improv program, mm-hmm. I went straight through to Annoyance. And, um, so you did go to Annoyance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I okay. went through all, all through Annoyance. And uh, I was fortunate enough to have Mick Napier as a teacher um, in level four. I think they have a level five now where you actually perform. But uh, at the time, four was as high as you could go. And Mick, I, you know, I was fortunate enough to have Mick as a teacher. But by that point, I was so in my head and so caught up on you know, who Mick Napier was. And there was some really talented people in my class. I can't remember like a, a, to name a few. Like uh, John Barinholtz was in my class at Annoyance. Uh, Nate Craig, who's a really funny stand-up. Um, there was just some really funny people in my class. Really, really talented people. And um, I had this inferiority complex at the time where if I didn't feel like I was the funniest person in the room, then I would shut down completely. And by the time I finished Annoyance, I wouldn't even volunteer. Mick would just be like, okay, Brian, <laughs> uh, the class is almost over. You might want to you know, mm-hmm. try something. You are paying for this. Right. So you, 
when you were taking all those classes, was it a real eye opener about like what improv in in the city here was really like versus maybe what you had imagined it would be like? Because it's such a weird kind of. I mean, the scene here in Chicago is different than anywhere else in the country. Oh yeah, it's such a unique thing that you couldn't really know what to expect until you got here. So what, no. how, what did you realize that really kind of took you by surprise or was eye opener? Well, you know, I think the big thing, uh, I'm t- you know, from, from the standpoint of somebody who's not from Chicago or not from a big city at all. Um, I think most of the people, well, a lot of the people I know that go through the improv program here come from different, you know, parts of the country. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, I think all of these people are probably like the funniest people in their small town. Mm-hmm. You know, or wherever they're from, they're probably one of the funniest people. So they're used to being looked at I mean, as one of the funniest. If they came here to do comedy, especially, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so everybody kind of carries this ego in. I hate to speak for everybody. I'm speaking for myself. I had this ego that I was, I was the funniest. You know, I was used to being one of the funnier friends that I had. I had friends that are way funnier than me. For example, uh, Ryan Evans and Tom Horn. Uh, I'll call them out in case they're going to listen to this. They're <laughs> they're way funnier than me. They were in a sketch group with me back in Cincinnati, but they. Uh, Tom Horn's one of the wittiest people. Where did I know. you do sketch in performances in Cincinnati? Uh, in Cincinnati, I tried to uh, Anderson Community Television, um, their cable access station. I got my producer card, and I was going to start a sketch show. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had a group. Uh, there were five of us, and uh, the the sketch show was called Shooting for Tuesdays, Shooting with No G to make it country. <laughs> <coughs> and uh, we we wrote a bunch of sketches, and we filmed some sketches. And uh, then we realized you have to know how to edit things in order to put on a sketch show, and you have to put mm. real work into it. And I don't think everybody involved was willing to put that kind of work into it. And I didn't want to do it all by myself, so that's what happened with that. Yeah. But there's not really, there's not like a sketch improv scene in Cincinnati. I mean, there's like Wits End, no. there's maybe a couple people that are doing things. Yeah. There's a lot of people now doing video mm-hmm. stuff, but there's not like a theater sketch theater scene like to what is there like shadow box i don't really know i know uh it's like a cabaret thing yeah. they have the shakespeare theater company or what i remember runjit uh from cupid was he, telling me he did that because uh, he worked with that in cincinnati and yeah stuff, I think. and zach or playhouse in the park i think is what he said yeah but uh, there's not really yeah there's not not a lot of opportunities but i will say this um since i've been back because i've been living in cincinnati since the beginning of november because i wanted to hang out with uh you know my friends and family from back home and my brother just had a kid and I knew I wouldn't be able to afford to once I moved to New York as much. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, what I've realized out there, there's some, there's some really good stand up comedians out there. And, um, I think there's this, there's Did this, you know that when you were there I didn't. before you no. didn't have that experience. No, no. Um, it, it's just, um, I think there's this mental barrier that you have if you're from a small town, not always, but if you're from a smaller town and you've never moved to a bigger town, uh, some, there's something in, uh, in your head, not, not universally, I don't think, but maybe for me it was, there's something in your head that makes you think, you know, if somebody's from Chicago or somebody's in New York or LA, they're probably better than you, even if you're really good in your own right. And I think there's a lot of really, really good standups in Cincinnati that don't know how really good they yeah. are. Yeah. And, uh, that's why I'm excited. I got a show coming up, uh, shameless plug. I'm sorry. No, March from, 3rd. Yeah, let's talk about that. <clears throat> March 3rd. Yeah. March 3rd. Um, it's being televised for a, a PBS Cincinnati show called, uh, in the tank. And I believe his name, uh, Robert Parrish. He's the producer of the show and director. 
And um, it's coming up on March 3rd, and it's a collection of, uh, there's going to be eight comedians, um, counting myself, and they're all comedians that I've, I've grown to really like and really respect. Some of them are new, some of them are seasoned veterans, um, but they all, the, the show all kind of wraps around, everybody that's on the show has experienced some major adversity in their life. You know, they've been through a lot, whether it, you know, whether it be uh, heroin addiction, alcoholism, cancer, you know, it's all different types, you know, just inse- basic insecurity, you know, racism, whatever it is. And so they all share that common bond. And, and what I like about them is uh, um, their material comes from their heart. They're not just telling jokes. You know, they got stories that they're, they're, making, they're making into, you know, comedy, personal, painful things from their life. Cincinnati is filled with talented people. I think Cincinnati is a great city. Um and I do think Cincinnati has a bit of a low self-esteem problem, mm-hmm. for sure. Um, I don't really know so much about the stand-up scene there. I just know, you know, that coming to Chicago, you see a million sketch groups. You see people performing at these theaters that you've heard about, you know, that you know these famous people that are role models of yours, or people you've seen on TV have gone through there. And so you have a completely different perspective on what's possible, you know? And yeah. so, uh, and you have role models that are like, if you know people or you can see people that are performing and say, Oh, that's how you do that. Oh, yeah. this is how you conduct yourself professionally. Mm-hmm. Oh, you work with a director. Oh, that, you know what I mean? Like all these kind of things that the training, you know, that, um, that to me, I think, is very different than Cincinnati. That particular thing, but yeah. there are great um, people in Cincinnati, and it's a great place to be creative. I think. Um, but how did, like, coming to Chicago? Did you feel like you were being more serious by doing that? Like, like um, sh- what do you mean by serious? Well, you made a choice at a certain point that. Did I feel like uh, I was actually on a career path? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Like it was your goal. Yeah. Like it, it was just... no holds barred. It was all or nothing when I moved to Chicago. Mm-hmm. And uh, midway through me living in Chicago, I really started to um, uh, not really give up, but I started to, the possibilities that I had, <laughs> the possibilities that I really had um, going in, everything that I was thinking, um, they started to weaken, you know, all my ideas and stuff like that. And After uh, you got here? Yeah. After I got here. Why? Uh, because, you know, kind of like, um, what I was saying before about thinking you're the best, you know, when you're from a small town and you move here and then you realize everybody that moves here is the best in their small town. That's where you were leading with that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, um, it was a, it was a, it was an eye opening, uh, few years and it, it taught me how to be humble and it taught me that, uh, no matter how hard I work at something, there's always, always, always going to be somebody that's better at it than me. And instead of... Yeah, but I used to be jealous. Yeah. If if somebody was better at something than me, then I would be really jealous and I would be angry. And uh jealousy and anger makes up for a bitter, horrible comic that doesn't perform very often. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what year was it that I met you, you think? Uh I want to say 2005 or 2006, whenever we did that Washington we went to the DC Comedy Festival with yeah. 123. Yes. When uh, I had food poisoning? Yes. <laughs> that was yes. a very nice We were reminiscing experience. about that last night. Uh it was yeah, I can't remember the year, but it was one, two, three was um, one, two, three sketch group from Chicago mm-hmm. that I had found myself very, very talented. With. Liz, and, Rob, and Kelly. Yes, Liz MacArthur, who's been on the podcast. 
this podcast, uh, Kelly Bolton, who was on, I think, the second episode of this podcast, maybe the third. And Rob, I haven't been able to get on here. Mm. Yeah, he's, You'll have to call his uh, assistant. His assistant? Yeah, yeah. You'll have to get in touch with his people, call his rep. and I hope, uh, I hope to have him. Send him a snail mail letter. He'll get back maybe to I you. Maybe I can get him on here and talk about... Uh, he just did a... He was just in one of those forty-eight hour with Sean Dove things. Yeah, did you did you get a chance to see that? Yeah, it was yeah, amazing. Yeah, uh, I really yeah I loved it. It was beautiful. Maybe I can get him in here to talk about that. Yeah, we'll I I, th- I thanked Sean when he was at uh, uh, Matt and Mary's last night for doing uh, things like that when I move and um, I started crying. <laughs> you did some films with them. I so, did, and they did a great job. So we'll talk about that's where guys. I'm leading up to here. Okay, okay, so when I met you, you were doing tech for one, two, three. Yeah, right. Yep, and. Um, but you were just as funny as those guys. I mean, oh, let's be real. Yeah. That's like so you were nice involved you. in the show. You were involved in the show. Like sometimes you had lines. Yeah. Like from this, from the tech booth. They were very like nice to include me. Yeah. yeah. It, it, you know, you were funny. Thank you very you much. You were very good. But I didn't know you as a performer. I didn't mm-hmm. know you as a stand-up or a performer. Yeah. Until, um, so I started doing a lot of video stuff with One Two Three, and you kind of ended up being in some of those uh-huh. because you were with the guys and I'm like, you're just as funny. Like I got to get Brian <laughs> in on this. Right. And, uh, I'm trying to think what, uh, do you remember which videos we did together? All two of us was the first one we did. Um, then, uh, all two of us, you play a waiter. I played the waiter and I think my name was Brian. Very Brian, very yes. different. Brian with an I though. I believe it yes. was instead you of spell, with a Y. You spell your name with a Y. Brian. Yeah. With a yeah. Y. And then uh, I believe we did the masterpiece, Let's Spend the Night Let's Together. Let's Spend the Night Together, yes. Yeah. Which is a musical. Which was a musical. Um, you sing in it. Yes. And um, actually, you know what? Why don't we listen to that song right now? Oh, my God. Yes, I have it here. <laughs> oh, great. Let me uh, just cue this Great. Um, can you summarize what Let's Spend the Night Together Maybe what it was about. <laughs> is do that you want me to romanticize it, or do you want me to tell you what it was really about? <laughs> tell me what it was really about. <laughs> it was about a bunch of people that were tired of brainstorming all night and couldn't come up with a very good idea, and then they all got really drunk, and Kendall had to end up writing a quick song oh, in the middle of the night. Was this the one where um, you guys just kind of like went on a drunken rampage, and I had to... Yes. Had to... There was a lot of vodka involved, and... I remember you trying to write music and the song while me and Liz tried to um, distract you the whole time. <laughs> Drunkenly sounds, and obnoxiously distracted. That sounds about right. So out of that um, came this... The whole thing was one, one long camera shot, and it was a musical. I don't, we, we didn't get... It was for a 48-hour film project, Yeah. so you get a genre and stuff. We did not... Did we get musical? I think we got musical. Um, it was either musical or western, I think, was our two okay, options. So and we did the musical. Yeah. I really wanted to tackle musical anyway. Yeah, I really wanted to use the horses that I brought with me from Chicago. I thought since I brought horses well, and we just happened to get a western. Why not do a musical, though? Yeah, so you know, it was fine. I, I don't mean, know how to write for horses. No, that's I had true. written music. so yeah. I, was like, I only know is... how to haul them. I just brought them just in case we needed them. So there are basically like three little mini songs, and we're going to listen to the first one, which is called Round and Round. It features Liz and Brian. <laughs> And uh, oh man! So let's 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 hear. Has the Grammys already been? Has that has that already happened? How did we get to this place? <laughs> Why did we think this would work? She's an incredible. 
love you for this. He's just a self-absorbed jerk. What a great voice. The bottle spins round and round. <laughs> They're totally gonna make out. At the very least. This is the best part. She'll stick her butt in his mouth. I think that was okay, uh, what I want to know. Ma- yeah, that was good. Wow. How do you I didn't stick how good your that butt in someone's mouth? I didn't know if we were talking about like a whole butt or a butt cheek or, or a butthole or a butthole. I don't think it was specific. It was just uh, it could have been a really innocent. I feel like above the jeans, you know, butt in the mouth. When you're, you know, how like when somebody puts their butt in your mouth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You yeah. know. Okay. I, <laughs> you know, writing these things, especially like. It was basically one, two, three, and me and Josh, all writing collectively, mm-hmm. uh, and it's real hard to remember like who came up with what line or whatever. But yeah. I like to think that you came up with the line, "Stick your butt in his mouth." Stick your butt in his. Um, maybe you know what I think. Maybe I don't know. I in my mind, buttons. that's what I'm deciding. That was um, you. Yeah, it was definitely it was definitely me. You know, I like to think that she'll I was. His, I probably wrote the whole thing. She'll stick her butt in his mouth. What does it mean? Uh, at the very least, she'll stick her butt in his mouth. You oh, know, yeah. you know, like at everybody can least. relate. Yeah. Everybody can relate to this. You know, when you go on a good date and things start to go really well, and you're eating dinner and you talking with friends, and you know, yeah. when your date sticks her butt in your mouth while you're talking to you know your friends. And what stuff. do you remember about making those videos? Um, actually that video, uh, specifically, that was the first time I ever felt like I was doing something professional. You had the best <laughs> setup ever. Oh man. We had a great crew. Yeah. It was it amazing. Was a small crew, but it was great. I felt like I was on a movie set for a ridiculous musical, but it was, <laughs> uh, it was awesome. You know, you had the back r- I'd never been a part of anything like that. It was cool. Yeah. And I, and, and you paid me all that money, which I wasn't expecting, well, you know, you know, not everyone got you, paid. So you didn't pay. We probably shouldn't. Okay. Talk about I mean, you didn't pay me. There was no, no money. Yeah, no money was was made. Actually, we're not even allowed to pay people. I don't think. Oh, okay. No. Yeah. So that that was a yeah loan. I mean, I didn't get any money. I'm you sorry. didn't get any money. No. Let's remember, this is a place of honesty. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I got a lot of money. <laughs> no, no, you, you misunderstand <laughs> me. <laughs> um. So, do we? Do you? Were you in any of the other Pizza Infinity videos? Uh, I was a bit part in um, your office thing. I was like, oh, a hang in there. Man. That's right. You delivered yeah. the packages. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I, I, I had a box or something like that. Yeah, but I think that was it. Um, I started. Um, so then you started doing. You were also doing some videos with with Sean and Dirty the Borders. Dirty Borders is yeah. the name of their team. Tim and Charlie and Sean and Matt now. I don't think Matt I don't know if Matt was working with them back in the day. And so what were the ones that you did with them um, here in Chicago? Cuz oh. at this point I was still in Cincinnati and and 1 2 3 and you guys would like all two of us we filmed here, but it was uh but then let's spend nights here we did in Cincinnati. Um and that's how come we had a crew cuz I knew people there. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, so then here in Chicago, you were working with Dirty Borders people, and what were some of the... There's one with, like, a dead body or something, or, like, you're in an apartment, and people are... Uh, the first one we like did was form. Fables. That was the one... Um, Fables? Oh, with... Yeah, uh, it was, like, three little mini-stories that kind of yeah, all wrapped yeah. together at the end. 
And there's like a, something about a eBay auction or what yeah. My dog just died, and, and you uh, wanted an urn. There was a specific urn. Yeah, yeah, there was a specific urn I wanted. I had him in a sad little box mm-hmm. with his picture. Were you involved in writing on on the Dirty Borders ones? Or I was. Uh, you know, not too much though. Sean and uh, Charlie and Tim and them are uh, they're really good at you know the night before they usually have a pretty good idea what they want. Um, but a lot of that was improvised, you know, um, oh, really? we didn't really have actual lines. They knew where they wanted to take the scenes and then we just yeah. kind of improvised. Okay. Um, and it was, a, it, it made it a lot of fun. I don't, did you see it? Yeah, I've seen, I've seen all the, yeah, there stuff. was a part like, uh, I was a repair man. That was like my character I had to be. <laughs> yes. And, and I remember uh, this is the sound. <laughs> what is the line? This I is ha- the sound of your remember. life. This is the sound of your death or something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then you're like, life, death. It was it's fun. funny. You stole the show on that one. Ah, well, thank you, you very did. much. I, I think everybody involved did a great job, but it was a lot. I will say it was a lot of fun. <laughs> they let me improvise, and I think they were genuinely laughing. Maybe they were just humoring me, but it made me have a really no, good time. I, yeah, I remember that being a highlight. Yeah, it was, it was fun. So how many were there? Was it? Fables? And uh, there was that, and then uh, me and Quentin, there were a couple that we did that never got finished. I think that... With um, Dirty Borders? Yeah, that I think Sean and them just didn't like the output, or... You were know, they, they 448? <sighs> or just like other video projects? One like of that? them was 448, one of them was just for fun. Uh, one of them was like a really, really dark murder mystery kind of thing. I don't even know if it was a mystery, but it had some really good shots that I wanted to see. Um and it was really, it was definitely a, a far cry from what we did before. It was not comedy at all. Uh-huh. Uh, me and my friend uh, Quentin Snodgrass, and um, oh, who else was involved? Now I feel bad because I can't remember everybody's I feel name. Like there's one that's got like a murder, and there's like someone looking through a door. At Emmy, the Emmy was in it. Um, Is that the one that you're talking about? Yeah, and there's like the. I've the seen ca- it. It must be done. Oh, I'm mad. They never. The one where they got the camera. It's like the dog looking. The dog walking through the living room and stuff, seeing the murder scene. Yeah, yeah, that sounds right. <sighs> you saw that? I think so. That, I, I mean, I remember like a shot of like looking through the door and the door's like kind of opening. And yeah, closing it's and like you're witnessing a murder scene from the dog's point of view yeah. in a bathroom, okay. and it was just it was a mate. Like I, I think that dog's idea. point of view part is supposed to be like to your own. You're supposed to figure that out on your own. So oh. you just kind of ruined it for everybody. Well, I don't. I've never seen it, so I'm going to ruin <laughs> it for Sean because he never showed it to me. That's what you get, Sean. We'll yell at Sean. You should. We'll yell at Sean. So, uh, Sean Dove, that we're talking about. And Sean thank Dove. you for flying.com. Is that right? I think that's right, yes. But yeah, you can find those dirty borders. I'll put a link. They just have a... Yeah, they're, they're, yeah, they're they, good. They're good. So, you're doing this video stuff. So, I knew, I knew you were uh, a performer at that point. Um, and then, I, you, I saw you do stand-up a couple times, like mm-hmm. at open mics. Yeah. And you seemed like... Like that seemed to be working for you, but I didn't know like how much you were doing it or how serious you were about it. Uh, there was like a period of time where like you and Liz and Rob were all kind of doing it that I saw. Yeah. And it seemed like you were all kind of like testing your foot. Like, do we want to do this too? Yeah. Kind of thing. At least that was my perception of it. So oh, yeah. were you, did you start doing it a lot then here in Chicago or what was the stand up situation here for a little while? Um, yeah, we were doing it for a while. I think Rob was the first one to start doing it. Um, it's really interesting. Me and Rob, I don't think we really liked each other when we first met each other. Really? I remember, yeah. Oh, I remember it like it was yesterday, the first time How'd I met How did you get Rob. involved with 123 in the um, first place? I worked at the uh, Chicago Sketch Fest and uh, okay. Kelly back in 2005. I worked there for five years. And uh, when I first started back in 05, 04, whenever it was, Kelly was there and she was in a sketch group and asked me to uh, do um, 
tech for her group. Mm. And that's how I met Rob. And I think Liz was working there that year too. She wasn't working there that much from what I remember. But yeah, that's how I got to know him through okay. uh, Jill and, and yeah, the Sketchfest crew. Right. Okay. So, um, so there was kind of a period there where you started doing stand up again because like, because Rob and Rob had the idea of kind of doing that. And well, so you like got back into it. Like, yeah. why hadn't you done it up until, cause we're talking about a couple of years, right? Oh yeah. We're to, uh, when I didn't win the funniest person in Cincinnati contest, <laughs> I didn't do stand up for another three, four years. Okay. Because I was so crushed and I wasn't the funniest person in Cincinnati. But you right only away. did it once. Yeah. Right <laughs> okay. away. If I wasn't the best at what I did, I'd quit. Okay. So then, uh, so then you started doing it again. Mm-hmm. And what was your experience like having gone through the like improv experience and, and all that um, change things? You, well, at the time I was, uh, very in my head and very self-conscious, so I could never really enjoy it. I was getting laughs. I knew that. Uh, some of you know, some nights I would do really well. Other nights I would do really not well. But um, I was enjoying it, and um, yeah, it. Uh, but but I, I was drinking a lot at the time. Were you doing too. it regularly? Yeah, we were doing it pretty regularly. Uh, I think uh, Liz and Rob did it a little bit longer than I did. Open mics. And where uh, would open you go? mics. Uh, we would go to the mix. We would go to I think the place was Hogshead McDonough's. Um, there were a few other places, but the mix is where we would usually go. I think it was on Mondays mm-hmm. and, um, it was, it was an amazing experience. Cause like, um, at the time when we were at the mix, like we'd get to see Nick Batterot and TJ Miller, um, Brady Novak. We get to see all kinds of really good comics. Mm-hmm. And, um, me, uh, with my inferiority complex at the time, I wish I could have just taken it all in and learned from them, but I just saw it as, wow, I'm never going to be as funny as these people. So why am I doing this? But it was it was a great experience. Mm-hmm. Other than that crushing, <laughs> it was a great experience. Of it. Yeah. Other than I wanted to kill myself and I was miserable and I would eat fast food until I couldn't swallow anymore and drink a lot. It was a great what experience. What kind of stand up were you doing then? Um, I would. When try. I saw you, you, you told like a long story about masturbation or something. Um, Which, but I, I mean, I'm like down, I'm like downplaying. I'm downplaying. It went over really. Well. It was a funny, you know, like, I, I weird might tell story. that story uh, okay. Thursday. <laughs> I tell stories. I, it's uh, yeah. I I used to be very focused on like joke jokes, um, but I could never really pull it off because I have to, I have to have feel. You know, I have to really feel like what you know. I have to feel what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I have to put myself. You know, I could because when I tell a story, it, it it brings me back to that that specific time. You know, and I can put myself in the in that specific time frame and that picture, and I know my feelings. You know that I had when when the story was taking place, and it just it helps me relay it to the audience. I feel like if I'm telling a story, it's like I'm having a conversation with you right now, mm-hmm. versus if I'm telling jokes, it's like, what do you think of this one? Yeah. You know? So, but there are great you know comedians that do great you know one liners and jokes. I just it's not it's not the type of comic I am. Did you see what? Like, was some of that informed by what you saw the other people that you thought were better than you here doing? Um, did I get the ideas for what I was going to do? No, I mean, did people? it change your opinion about, like, you seeing people here in, that you thought were better than you or getting better response to you and thinking, like, oh, they're doing this. That's different than the way I'm thinking about it. Yeah. Or was that kind of thing? Oh, yeah. I remember some nights, like, I could never – I was never confident enough in myself at the time to just be able to go up there and experiment. If I was going to go up there, it was something that I tried to rehearse to myself in front of my bathroom mirror or, you know, nervously act out and memorize or read verbatim off a card. 
Um, but I would, I remember like I would see people, I, I remember at the time, like Nick Batterot some nights would just go up. He wouldn't even say a word. He would do four or five minutes messing around with a microphone, you know, just doing like a silent uh, bit with a microphone. He wouldn't even say anything. And then it would just like morph into him jumping over an imaginary horse. You know, it just really weird, crazy stuff. And it was hilarious. And I was like, yeah, but he ever stuff an owl. Yeah. Did he ever stuff an owl for his uh, second city level a class? That's the question. (laughs) Uh, But, you know, I remember seeing stuff like that. And instead of thinking, wow, what a great thing, you know, I could let me, uh, you know, see if I could, you know, do stuff like that, you know, experiment a little. I would look at it and be like, I'm never going to be able to do that. (laughs) Never. You know, so. okay. And then, so then did you stop? Stop doing that stuff? Yeah, I did. Uh, I stopped doing stand-up for a couple more years after that. Okay, so you stopped doing stand-up, and then uh, you were in a couple of other sketch, you were in a couple of sketch groups. You were mm-hmm. in Porn Star Mustache. Porn Star Mustache with Quentin Snodgrass, one of my best friends in the world. Uh, Hi, Quentin. And I still refuse to accept that that's his real name. That's clearly <laughs> a character from James Willy Wonka. James Quentin Snodgrass, his full name, yes. <laughs> Um, is Snodgrass and Willy Wonka? Snozberries. Snozberries is from like Willy Wonka? Snozberries tastes like Snozberries. I just thought that was a line from Super Troopers that wasn't related to anything. Really? No, it's it's from uh, Willy Wonka. And wow. At least the mo- the Gene Wilder movie. Huh. Talk about Snozberries. I think I, it's in the book, too. You learn something. Every day you do a podcast, you learn something. I don't know if Snozberries are in the crappy Johnny Depp one, though. Mm. God, I yeah, I had a miserable experience. You know, I had a that. miserable, miserable experience. I saw that in the theater. And uh, this will be real quick. It's just awful. 2005, I'll never forget it. It was in the White Sox, won the World Series. Uh-huh. I saw that in the theater, the Davis Theater in Lincoln Park or Lincoln Square, because I lived by there at the time. Mm-hmm. 2005, this was the seventh game, or whenever the night the, wa- the White Sox won the World Series. I kid you not, I was watching that movie, the, the Johnny Depp version of Willy Wonka, and midway through the movie, another movie soundtrack just mingled in. I was watching the movie and hearing another movie halfway through. And I was the only one in the theater. That's because a, That does not sound like the ideal viewing experience. No. And honestly, I thought I was like, oh, okay, Tim Burton's really trying to go artistic here. That's what's going on. And then the screen started messing up. So I, 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 could, you know, I walked out into the lobby to complain. Usually I don't complain, but I, you know, I, and I was the only one there. There was, I, there was nobody in the lobby. Mm. There was nobody to be seen anywhere in the whole theater. Yeah. And I realized this afterwards. The White Sox had just won the World Series. Oh, I see. And I was the only one, apparently, at the theater that didn't care. Hmm. So on so top of all, seeing uh, a bad movie. in the streets, turning cars over? And yeah, stuff? And, it's like, and it was weird because I already had, like, I had a 40 with a rag in it ready to light and throw yeah. at stuff. Yeah. But it was just, it didn't have anything to do with the World Series. It didn't Series. have any gas in it either. No, so no. So it wasn't going to, just that rag was just going to go out yeah. eventually. So, you know, I just threw my 40 at the screen and I left. You know, just like anybody would do. No throw lie. their 40 no at the movie screen. Lying. Um, I, th- I... We don't have to dwell on We don't have to dwell on it. So... So uh, you were doing Porn Star Mustache with Quentin. You did uh, Not From Baltimore with Rob. And that was more. That was after that, right? Yeah. More yeah. recently. Mm-hmm. Um, and you did some stage shows with both those groups, right? Yeah. I sadly never saw any of them. That's okay. I, was I mean, just never in town at the right mm-hmm. moment, or I, like I was at the wrong weekend of Sketchfest or something. I apologize. No, I, wish, I wish I had seen. No, no harm taken. How did those go? go? 
uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was good. Uh, you know, like uh, I really liked working with Quentin, uh, our porn star mustache. You know, our our um, our show was uh, very very prop heavy. We had this little suitcase thing we did, mm-hmm. and uh, honestly, looking back on it, we probably spent a little too much time in between scenes moving suitcases around. I heard that you did a sketchybater performance where you were like suspended on wires or something. <laughs> Is that true? Yeah, it was our thing uh, before we uh, mustered up the courage to put together a whole show. Uh, Jill and Brian um, let us do the sketchybater. And that's where we came up with the porn star mustache name. Which I've explained a million times on the podcast, but if you don't know, Sketchy Bader during Sketchfest is an after hours performance for just like it's it's not open to the public, it's just for other performers, mm-hmm. basically. Yeah, comedians rapid fire for comedians. Like yeah. each group comes up and does a quick sketch and then so you had harnesses and were <laughs> suspended from the ceiling? We did. Uh it was a silent bit we were working on. It was just uh, it was really simple. Uh two guys were sitting next to each other. I was reading a newspaper and Quentin was trying to figure out what I was laughing at and I didn't want him to look at my newspaper. Oh yes, so he gets in the harness. Yeah, it was the the old simple but impossible silent bit, you know, yeah. make uh make something really simple very difficult and play, you know, chaplain mm. kind of thing. And uh, sounds like Brico territory. It was uh, pre Brico territory. Oh, we didn't have, I see. We didn't have saying. the money, props, or talent. <laughs> I will use a disclaimer for okay. the Brico. Very talented show with They're Tim awesome. Sosko, They're Brian great. Peterlin, and Brian Posen. Yep. Um, but yeah, at the end of the show, um, we or at the end of the sketch, Quentin, we had a, a harness attached to the ceiling, and he repelled down from the ceiling, and he was hovering over top of me, looking at the uh, newspaper. Uh, and he won. Like that? Did P- uh yeah, it went over really well. Yeah. Okay. Um it was it it went over well enough that I thought okay, maybe we could try to do a sketch show cuz honestly, my feelings at the time if it didn't go over really well, I was very fragile and I was like, I'm going to move home because that didn't work. Okay, so then you're doing not from Baltimore with Rob. Mm-hmm. And so two-person group um, again, I didn't see, I've never seen the stage performance, but you started making lots of little videos with each other Yeah, and you can watch all those online. And, you and can. I think our are, channel is not from Baltimore a lot of, on YouTube. A lot of those are just great. Thank really, you very much. I really enjoy the, the short videos. Is there any in particular that you can think of that you like a lot? Well, I mean, there's a couple of them. I mean, I think our most popular one, well, our, our most popular one is one that's like uh, naked advice where Rob appears to be naked. Um, but I think that's just because it says naked in it. That might be it. Yeah, it probably just comes up in the searches more often. Yeah, because um, everybody knows when you want to look at naked things, YouTube is the <laughs> website to go. Yeah, and Rob's um, who you want to see. And Rob Nastoff is where they go to look for nakedness. <laughs> um, but uh, I, th- I think our most slapstick, you know, easily digestible one is the baseball bat video. Oh, yeah. We did two takes of that. We had the 30-second clip, and then we had the two-minute behind the scenes with Sam Wells, who did an excellent job filming and acting in it. Um, that's, uh, that's kind of our most popular one as far as people comment on, but my favorite one is probably, uh, our nice suits video. Did you see that one? Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, Rob got that idea from, um, oh man, it was like a, a clothing store in the Middle East and, uh, it had this running gag and it wasn't like nice suits. They said something. It was like, I don't know what they said. But Rob was like, you know what would be funny is uh, if we had a, a suit video and they just kept on going, nice suits, just doing really now, weird things. Now, why did you think that would be funny? Uh, we just like doing really, <laughs> we like doing really random things. Uh, I think most of the, uh, the reason why uh, Not From Baltimore stuff was really fun for me was because we didn't really put that much emphasis on how will this be received, how will the audience react to this. 
if we both thought it was funny collectively, we would just do it. Do you have a sense? These are more recent, so I'm going to speak in the present tense. Okay. Do you have a sense of like what it takes for something to be funny to you? I mean, is there a general rule that you have? Uh, have for you figured some, that narrowed that down at all? For something to be funny to me that I did or just something to be funny to me in general that I see? Well, I mean, how are those two things different? Um, that might be Well, I don't know. It's weird, you know? I, I see things all the time. Or, you know, I think things will be funny all the time, you know? And uh, a lot of times they're not. You know, I think something's going to kill. Uh, I think a video idea is going to be amazing. And then, you know, I look at the output and I, and I think, man, what was I thinking there? Um, but and it's you, also... And what do you think happened usually is it like a technical issue that stopped it from being funny or just like what you imagined like execution wasn't what you imagined or is it just that when you see it it you realize you like you interpret it differently than when you just thought of it uh you know what i think it's it's a variety of factors you know sometimes it's uh um if i'm not doing the technical aspects of it and i don't like it it's easy for me to say the tech aspects suck because i didn't do it which isn't true most of the time, but yeah, it's a variety of things. You know, it could be the writing. It could be that we were in a bad mood that day. You know, we mm-hmm. were in a great mood when we wrote it and, and did the location scouting. And then when we actually filmed it, you know, we had just gotten into an argument or something, you know, there's a variety of factors. Remember we were talking the other day about, you know, uh, well, when we were talking about the fighter mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, where you were saying, well, I could have been in a bad mood when I saw it, you know, yeah. just a variety of factors, you know, and plus, you know, it's subjective, you know, so maybe the people that are watching it that I thought would think it was funny was in a bad mood that day. Maybe somebody stepped on a guy's foot or, you know, his... Uh, That's probably... I like to think when I'm doing a show... people that don't like it, probably all of them had their feet stepped on. I like to think that when I'm doing a show and it goes really bad, that somebody walked through the line of people waiting to get in and stepped on each, uh, each person's, person's individual foot. foot. Yeah. Um, Both feet? Just one. Just One's one. enough, yeah. Okay. But it was a really, really hard, you know, steel-toed boot. Ooh. And uh, and I feel who's gonna him, like you know? it. Who's gonna like it after that? Yeah, exactly. And uh, and I think the best thing you can do as a performer is acknowledge the uh, that the audience collectively has had their foot stepped on. But do you do you apologize. get very uh, like conceptually analytical about like this is funny because or is it or are you more of a gut feeling kind of guy when you're writing? Honestly, I I think me and Rob worked really well together because I. I used to do that. I used to think this is funny because, or okay, here's the the idea. Here's what I the idea I have for this sketch, and here's the message. And Rob would always get mad when there's a message. He's like, you know, let's just do it. And if there's something there, there's something there. But let's not force anything. You know, let's just make it funny. And if there's something else to it, awesome. But it's a byproduct of being funny. Mm-hmm. And um, so yeah, I used to be more analytical, but now um, I don't know. I just if something makes me laugh. And I really think it's original. You know, I haven't heard it before, then I do it. I don't really put that much thought into it anymore. I think uh, it, the times when I cared way too much about things that I was doing, uh, I usually would just self-destruct, and ultimately it would destroy what I'm trying to do. Well, what about, I mean, is there is there a risk of that being, like, fear of that? Like, I'm not going to try too hard to work on this and make it perfect because then if I don't try so hard and it doesn't work, it's like, Oh, it just doesn't work. If I try hard, and it doesn't work. Then it's like, Oh, I failed. You know? Yeah. Like, is that just a defense mechanism? <laughs> yeah, it's easily a defense mechanism, but honestly now, um, like I got, you know, the show coming up Thursday and, um, I'm really excited about it and I really want it to go well just because it's Cincinnati and it's where I'm from. And a lot of my friends and family are going to be there. And, I want the show to go really well because I really respect all the comics. Um, mm-hmm. 
Uh, who are all the? Com- uh, I got. I want to mention their names because I promised I'd mention their names. We'll do it really again. We'll do it at the end. Okay, that's. We'll fine. do it at the end if that's all right. Uh, that's perfect. We're gonna wrap fine. up kind of soon anyway. Oh, so. okay. But because I feel like you didn't answer my question. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I told you I go off on a tangent. No, so. it's okay. I just I just want to know like, well, let's just talk about what you're doing now. Okay. Right now, you you decided. You decided I'm gonna move to New York. Why did you decide that? Um, I've, I've known that I was going to move to New York, uh, for years, but I honestly think I'm ready to do it now. Mm-hmm. I wanted to, why, why were you, why'd you want to move there? Uh, I wanted, why to would move, you want to move there? Why would you want to move to New York? New York. I love the city. Uh, for me, it's like, uh, it's, uh, um, you spent much time there. I have not, not a lot. I mean, I've probably been to New York. I've visited there maybe five times in my life. Okay. Um, but I absolutely love the city. I just love big cities. You know, there's just like a weird, you know, I'm a small town country boy, uh, kind of redneck you know mixture of a little bit redneck um a little you know a little bit working class a little bit country a little, I'm bit, a little bit country yeah but uh i love the city too you know i like both if i could have it both i'd have this uh house in the country and then i'd also live in the city um if well if there are two of you if there were two of me that would be perfect if i could experience both lives simultaneously don't you think if you were two people though do you think the one would get jealousy or sometimes like or, a multiplicity I mean, thing? Then I, I would have know. to I've make never a third. Seen multiplicity. You've never seen multiplicity. That's the Michael Keaton thing. Yes. Come on, it's not like it's Mr. Mom. It's multiplicity. Oh my god, are you serious? Okay, will you do me a favor? <laughs> Next time I talk to you, Kendall, will you have seen movie recommendations? If it's on Netflix streaming, I'll watch it this week. And I don't care. You know what? And if I talk to a comedy snob and they're going to digest or dissect why the movie isn't funny, I'm going to boil, but I love it. It's hilarious. No, I'm, I'm not a comedy snob. I'm not a snob. Oh, I don't think you're a snob. I think you're a nice guy. I mean, come on. You let me help you move for eight hours. You know, you let me do that for you. It was great. I'll watch any movie on a strong recommendation. I have a strong recommendation for multiple. The 13-year-old Brian has a strong recommendation for multiplicity. <laughs> All right, we'll do the math on that and see if that makes sense. Because <laughs> I think that came out way after you were 13, but I might be what? wrong. No, I was 13 in like 92 or 94. Come on, multiplicity came out when C- it we couldn't were have been like any... in college, I thought. No, no way, no. High school? Early 90s, 95 at the most. Really? But I want to. S- I'm usually really? pretty good with dates. Really? Really? Come on, it was like 93, man. No, it was like Three. <laughs> right. um, but yeah, watch that movie. Okay, Multiplicity. I'm sorry, New York. I get off on New tangents. Why? Okay, yeah. Uh, so I you think, think I... New York's cool. Yeah. Everybody thinks New York's cool. That doesn't mean they're going to move there. No, no. It sounds hard. And I don't plan it's on staying there. It's expensive to move there. Yeah, it is. So what's going on? Why are you doing it? Because I want to prove to myself that I can hang with comedians on the East Coast. I think I'm ready. Um, we you mean know. hang with? I just wanted to... to See if I can get laughs, you know, on the same stage as they're getting laughs. Uh-huh. I think, um, you know, it's just it's kind of like, you know, Chicago, you know, we're the best in the country. Go. Um, and I don't even know if it's uh, if it's to get noticed in New York. I just want to prove to myself that I can make uh, people laugh, you know, going up after or before professional comics that are that do it on a nightly basis. Mm-hmm. I want to prove to myself that I can do it. And I think I can. Did you feel like. Or do you feel like you've exhausted your opportunities here? No, no. There's so many opportunities in Chicago. As far as stand-up yeah. is concerned? Well, yeah. I mean, there's... They what's got... the scene... What's the Chicago stand-up scene really like um, beyond what you've already said? I feel bad kind of talking about it because there's... Uh, I'm, I was never really a big part of the Chicago stand-up scene. Uh-huh. Um, I performed at open mics semi-regularly off and on. Yeah. But um, there's some great... Like the Lincoln Lodge, I think, just opened back up. 
and that's you know some really really good uh comedy you know um uh Cameron Esposito performs there you know there's just there's a bunch of really good comedians what, Adam Burke what would you recommend of like cuz I haven't really explored that here at all so like what would you recommend of uh like what to check out I would check out the Lincoln Lodge um I haven't had a chance in a while to check out the Edge comedy um that is uh oh I'm trying to think where that's at. It's at the uh, Chicago Center for Performing Arts, I believe. But um, yeah, there's there's Lincoln Lodge. There's also there's actually a really good open mic in Logan Square here. Oh, yeah. uh, it's at Coles on Milwaukee. Oh, okay. Yeah. I think uh, Cameron Esposito and Adam Burke. Well, a couple years ago or a year ago, they they would run it. What about do you, what about those uh, comedians you should know? Do you know anything about them? I I guess I don't know the comedians no. I should know. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I should get to know them. Okay. So you're going to New York. Mm-hmm. Your goal is to do stand up there. I want to produce shows. I, I started. I, I, I kind of learned something like coming to Cincinnati. I, I this is the second show I'm putting up. The first one I had about five days to promote and try and get comics. Mm-hmm. Um, the show was on a Friday, and I started Sunday night planning and asking comics and and getting the word out. And uh, the place I'm having at is a great bar called Home Base Tavern. The Jenna, the owner, is terrific, and my friend Brandy. Uh, is helping produce the show, and she's uh, bar- bartending during the show. But uh, it's a really small space. There's about 105, fits about 105 people. Mm-hmm. And uh, the last time we had about 60, 70 people come out on five days' notice. Yeah. So um, I think that, uh, yeah, I'm going to use what I know about business, what little I know about business, and uh, start to try and produce my own shows in New York. Find comics that I like. Uh, I like the place their material comes from and, and put them up. Create the. Uh, Create the venue and the show and then the uh, marketing for the comics to help promote them. Are you planning to do more like classes there? Oh, yeah. Like I, I think I'm going to. Yeah, I think as soon as I get settled, I'm going to take classes at UCB. Just to, you know, on top of uh, it's just a good refresher course in improv. It's also a good way to network and just get to know some local comedians, mm-hmm. make some new friends. Yeah. And I'm are excited. you planning to do sketch stuff there, too? Or are you focusing my stand focus up. is solely on stand up. I never say no to something, you know. If yeah. I really like somebody's work and I'm, you know, becoming really good friends with somebody and we work well together, if I have time, we'll put up a sketch show. Okay. You know? I'd like to I I think um, you know, um, I don't think I'm done working with Rob. You know, we had a really good time working together. I had some uh some personal issues that I had to work out, but um yeah, I see us working together in the future. Cool. So, um you know, I think this will be a interesting little time capsule yeah we have to let i hope so exciting exciting thing moving to a new city being around different people all that stuff and i have uh i might have a futon i don't know i haven't talked to my roommate <laughs> yet kendall but come down and visit okay so um we're gonna wrap up. up we're gonna wrap up because wrap it up we're gonna watch the oscars here people are starting to show up and oh people are here Uh-oh. hi people behind me that i can't see it's um so um why don't we plug your, your show that's coming up here? Okay, um, Thursday, March 3rd. This Thursday, March 3rd, 8 p.m. Uh, please get there early because it's In being Cincinnati, filmed. Ohio. Cincinnati, Ohio. Please get there early because it's being filmed uh, for a PBS special um, called In the Tank with Robert Parrish. Um, and uh, 8 to 10.30, it's, we're asking for a $5 suggested donation. If you don't have any money, it's not a problem. Please get there early. Cause who I are those comedians? These comedians, I'm proud to introduce uh, Ludi Shows, Vincent Galino, 
Rob Wilfong, um, Steve Booth, good buddy of mine, I've known for about ten years. Just did a the funniest Super Bowl commercial about two years ago, yeah. some Doritos commercial. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a guy I just got to know. I uh, was fortunate enough to get to know um, Landon Faulkner, who's a local headliner, um, very very good comedian, very original. He headlined my last show. He's going to do some time, and uh, the headliner is going to be Homer Shadowheart. He did about 30 minutes last time and killed the whole 30 minutes. So he's going to be doing 45 minutes, and I really think the audience is going to like it. Um, Rob Wilfong, is, uh, he puts up shows on his own. He's got a group of uh, comedians that he does really well with. There's another guy, Jay Armstrong. Um, I like his material. He's a very funny comic. Uh, Ludi shows. Um, his material comes from a good place. He's new, and I have faith in him. Same thing with Vincent. Um, Vincent has an original voice. He's got some... Um, Struggles with addiction, you know, that he talks about on stage. He's got some real heart behind what he does. I hope I didn't forget anybody. <laughs> That'll make me sad. Well, let me know if you did. We'll add it to the, okay, the yeah. old show notes you can, thing. You can Links just plug everybody. it at the end. Please forgive me, comedians, if I forgot about you. But uh, I'm really excited about the show, and I know you're all going to do well. And I'm excited for the audience to get to see it. Hopefully I do well, too, but it's okay if I don't. I'm sure, you, I'm sure you'll be great. It'll sure be okay. Brian, thanks for spending some time here talking with me i wish you luck um and thank you listeners thank you i've had fun um if you want to listen to more of these things if you just randomly found this you can find us on itunes us i say us but it's me it's, it's me and my guest yeah it's not just Sometimes just me this time it's just me <laughs> well i don't know kendall did mention i i do stand beside kendall a lot of times oh, i'm lying <laughs> i'm just teasing anyway let's get serious you can search for you can go to kendallbruns.com if you want to do that. We're on Facebook. You can like us on, like like the show. Are you Facebook. in banners flying by on planes? No, like, no, not doing okay. that. All right. Not doing that. Um, yeah, you can send me a message if you want. We'll talk about it. Can they, can they yell at you? You can yell at me. Yeah, okay. I like criticism. Cool. All that kind of stuff. Brian, how can people find out about you? Do you have a website or anything? Uh, I have, yeah, I have... Um I have a YouTube channel that I haven't really put much up on. I think it's like Brian Craig Applegate YouTube. Not from Baltimore.com. That's where uh, me and Rob uh, post any shows or any videos we're doing. I also have a, a Twitter blog I just created called Idiom. I think it's like Brian Craig Applegate at Tumblr or something like that. But that's a little more serious. Like I, yeah. I, I, I talk about some more serious things on there. I'm a comedian, but it doesn't. It's not who I am completely. It doesn't. Yeah. I mean, that would it be doesn't weird. Encompass that would be weird. It sounds so pretentious. All right. Well, again, thank you. Um, I like to give the guests the last word. And in this case, or sentence, it doesn't have to be one word. Some people interpret it very literally. I'm like, yeah, the last word. And then they say, like, fork or whatever. But we don't have to do that. Uh, In this case, I'm going to prompt you. I'm going to give you a prompt. Okay. I would like to hear some sort of statement that has to do with... um, Hold on. Hold on. Quantum physics. And go. Uh, Quantum physics... Um, Something I think, short, quick. Okay, this is a punchy. Follow your intuition. Say yes to everything, and you'll never go wrong, and all your dreams will come true. 